0: If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anachar and
1: Levine Studios,
0: this is Action Sports Chats with Brent Martineau.
1: Hey, we keep rolling along here on our Jacksonville Baseball Celebration Show on ESPN 690. Brent Martino, Casey Kurtz. We usually do football at 5. It's all baseball today as we continue to celebrate. Really cool to catch up with Tommy Raffo from Arkansas State. Played at Bishop Kenny. We uh, led off the show with Howard May, legendary coach at Parker. We had Hunter Barco on. uh, Many more guests coming up. Uh, including a dip into the softball world with who i think has to be the best softball player to come out of this area and that is michelle moultrie uh, on the way but right now we are joined by a name i'm not sure everybody is familiar with and how does this happen in jacksonville where we have guys making the big leagues from jacksonville and we don't talk about them every day Uh, shame on me shame on everybody shame on us Shame on us. I wish Palmetto High School had this problem. I mean, that's how many guys we have coming out of here that we lose touch. And it's easy to do in baseball, right? Because you can get drafted or you make the pro level, and then it could be like three, four, five, six years, and boom, all of a sudden you're pitching in the bigs like this guy, Justin Lawrence. He joins us now from the Colorado Rockies here on Action Sports Jacks. But did you know he's a Jacksonville guy? Justin, thanks for taking a few minutes, man. Hey, guys. How's it going? I'm glad to be here. Yeah, man. Hey, you are. Are you like this underdog story? I, I asked some folks about you. Uh, my son plays for for Mike Boswell here in the summer. I'm like, you remember Justin Lawrence? He's like, Oh yeah, I remember Justin Lawrence. You know, so guy, it's not like nobody knew who you were, but you took the big jump and and ended up in the big leagues. How did all that happen?
2: Yeah, you know, um, I committed to Jackson University, and you know, it was, it was a big moment for me to be able to stay close to home and. And being near my family. And after a year at JU, really decided that uh, I think we wanted to take a different route and try the junior college and maybe take another chance at uh, getting back to the D1 level. Um, so the big, big thing for me was going to Daytona, leaving uh, a four year institute, you know, with a scholarship and all that. Um, going to a junior college where I was really only guaranteed one more year of baseball. So for me, um, that moment at Daytona was like, I got to really give this all I got, otherwise I may not be playing baseball next year. So, you know, just kind of putting that work in and all that at Daytona. And, and it ended up turning from, you know, big-time D1 interest to, like, hey, you might get drafted if you keep, you know, you keep up this pace, you keep doing what you're doing. And once I heard that, like, that just pushed me to a whole nother level of want to, to keep getting after it and all that stuff. And I committed to Oklahoma State uh, from Daytona. And I kind of had a decision to make. You know, being drafted in the 12th round is not super early but not super late either so you know I could have decided to go to Oklahoma State and you know who knows maybe be a closer or whatever there and then you know increase my draft stock but you know I talked to my parents about it and we we're like I think the smart decision would be to you know go ahead and get, get the foot in and pro ball and develop within an organization and you know that's kind of been the been the case for me and happened to work out to get to the major league level
1: that's wild justin lawrence with us a uh, colorado rockies pitcher uh by the way i mean it's it's easy to lose track sometimes i think first coat when you graduate in like 2013 from first coast high school is that right yep and yep yeah so were you a better hitter or pitcher in, in uh, high school
2: I, I, my dad he's, he's listening I would 100 claim that i was a better hitter in high school <laughs> I, I truly didn't pick up uh pitching till about my junior year um you know, basically, when you pitch in high school, it's, if you can throw the ball hard, you know, you're probably going to pitch. And I didn't throw terribly hard, but I threw hard enough to to help our team win games and stuff like that. But uh, I, I mean, the work that me and my dad put in all through high school and all that stuff, we we only focused on hitting. You know, we were we were at the field every day hitting. we you know, he's he's probably got a torn labor now from throwing um, so many so many batting practice to me and all that. But no, it was, it was definitely hitting was the route that, that we thought it would be and you know that ended up not being the case but once we once we realized that it was going to be the pitching you know we were all in on it
1: so somebody told me that you were a guy throwing like when you were throwing even as raw as you might have been like kind of an upper 80s guy maybe 88 uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong and then all of a sudden you look up boom you were throwing like 96 like I'm sure it wasn't all of a sudden but where did that transformation take place if that was true
2: Uh, yeah, it was true. Um, over the top, I was very stop righty, you know, 86, 88, maybe touch 90 on a good day. Um, wasn't getting a ton of playing time at, uh, Jackson university. So I dropped my arm slot down. So maybe 85, 87, I got some more playing time and that's kind of what I decided to, to go a different route. But when I got to Daytona, the junior college, um, the, the group of guys there, man, we we, we all loved working hard. We have 5 a.m. workouts, pool workouts, all this crazy stuff. And uh, in that fall, we would play inter-squad games. And every weekend, it was like the first game, it was like I hit 90. I was like, oh, this is crazy. I'm throwing 90 sidearm. And the next weekend, 91. The next weekend, 92. Then all the way up until our last game of the season, I had touched 96 for the first time. And um, that's when it kind of sparked the interest to possibly get drafted. And after the draft, you know, I wasn't really – like settled on 96 I was like I mean I've gotten from 90 to 96 in a matter of a few months like let's go for 100 and you know that was kind of the mindset I had going into every offseason so that uh that Velo kept you know going up every offseason
1: well you find your way with the uh, Colorado Rockies and, and you've you know been in that organization and moved your way up uh you know it's kind of nice to stay in one organization I would think right I mean that's a very unusual path Uh, for guys like you over the years from I want to say, if I'm looking at it correctly, 2015 all the way until currently.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Especially as a reliever, you know, guys sometimes bounce around, you know, things don't work out in one organization and they get another opportunity in another organization. um, I fortunately have been able to be with the Rockies since being drafted and, you know, kind of, you can kind of see you know the possibility of what the future may look like with the big club as you know, I've been pitching in eighth or ninth inning roles you know in close games basically at every level um up through the minors. so hopefully that that eventually transitions into you know big league role with the rockies and whether it's a you know two-year career with the rockies and i finish off with five or six other teams or i stay with the rockies the rest of the way through um i would just be fortunate enough to continue to play at the big league level
0: absolutely justin let me ask you this my buddy went to college out in colorado and after his first two years, he had like a 15 ERA, and he was explaining to me how difficult it was to pitch in the air out there. You're facing the best in the world. How difficult is it really with the altitude and everything out there to pitch?
2: Um, it's, it's true. It, it really is. It's, uh, we've managed as a group to learn how to use it to our advantage. Um, you know, you got the analytics and all that stuff, and we can go and look and see exactly, you know, what does my ball do at sea level where we're playing, you know, San Diego Padres? And what's my ball doing? You know, up in Denver at 5,280 feet. You know, it's uh, so we're able to see the difference. But I mean, you could even see it in just just playing catch. You're like Dude, this ball's like dancing in the air. Like you almost, you you feel like you're almost throwing like a knuckleball sometimes, wow. when you're just throwing a regular pitch.
1: Justin Lawrence with us, Colorado Rockies pitcher. All right, we're going to wrap up with you. We really appreciate you taking the time, man. Good to uh, get to talk to you, and we appreciate Coach Barnes uh, at First Coast High School is coming up in just a bit uh, for helping us out and connecting uh, with you, especially on the All-Star break. The, what other pitches, like, so you're throwing gas, obviously, and, and you're, you're in the, what, probably upper 90s, um, which, but guys can hit that. Like, what, are, what do you have to get guys out with? Uh, what is your weapon? Um, because it seems like at your level, people, it doesn't matter how fast you throw.
2: Yeah. Um, obviously, the fastball is good, but it's not, it's not flat or, you know, straight, I guess you could say. It's, it's got some sync to it. So, you know, you see some guys on, online, on pitching ninja or whatever, you know, they'll catch on 95 plus, but if it's, if it's flat and they get hit, you know, it's got some sync to it. Okay. But I pair well with the slider. Um, it's really not, you know, it's not just a get-me-over slider that complements the 95-plus fastball. It's a it's a, it's a, really good pitch that I can throw in any count and all that. And, you know, when you're a hitter that is already kind of uncomfortable in the box with a sidearm guy coming at you and then, you know, throwing a slider that starts right at the guy's hip and he's got to decide when it's halfway there if it's a slider or fastball. That's uh, it's definitely been my put-away pitch this year.
0: I, I wouldn't want to hit it. I'll tell you this, Justin. Let me ask you this. You couldn't. Don't no worry. Come on. No, of course I couldn't, but, you know, come on, give me some props. I could hit it back in the day. <laughs> anyway, not important. Justin, uh, we talked about First Coast High School for a second, but I found this on your Wikipedia, and it's been, I've been wondering about it all day since 10 a.m. when Brent told me you were going to join us. Panama Canal Zone, is that where you were born?
2: Yeah, yeah. My, uh, my grandpa was, a, well, was an officer out there in the Panama Canal, uh, Canal Zone. It's basically uh, Panama City. Uh, that's where all my family is. That's where I was born. I moved to Florida pretty – when I was a couple years old. But, yeah, that's where I was born.
0: Okay, cool. Because I was, like, looking at it, and then I went to the Wikipedia for that, and it was like they said it was only five miles long. I was very confused. So I'm glad you were able to clear that up.
1: <laughs> I've got I've got a question for you, too. One last one. Uh, Charlie Blackman, I believe, is the most underrated player in all of baseball. The uh, do, do teammates feel that way. Like, I mean, the beard's cool and everything, but I feel like nobody talks about him. And he just is—he rakes like all the time.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's he's been around the game obviously for a long time. I mean, he's he's such a great clubhouse guy. He's obviously he's obviously the leader of that team. So, uh, you know, you'd like to see him get talked about it a little more. But um, just as a teammate, he's such a great guy that I think he's he sometimes may be okay with. Was staying kind of out of the spotlight, you know. That's kind of his his M.O. He's a very chill guy, very relaxed guy. So I'm, I'm sure he's he's okay with it. But um, no, I agree. He should definitely be getting a lot more respect and and you know some some guys that that are, that are performing less than he does, you know, get a little bit more than here or whatever. But uh, he's um, he's definitely a guy that's that's one of the best in the game and has been for quite some
1: time. Well, Justin Lawrence should be getting more respect around Jacksonville. Hopefully we give a little bit to you here today on the Jacksonville Celebration Show. Justin, really appreciate uh, you taking some time. Congrats on the success. Keep it going, man. We'll keep following you along the way. Sounds good, guys. I appreciate you all having me on. You bet. Uh, Justin Lawrence, really cool story coming out of First Coast High School um, and has uh, turned himself into a reliever for the Colorado Rockies and a nice path that he's taken uh, along the way out of First Coast High School. So a lot of pride. Uh, there for another Jacksonville guy making it to the big leagues, uh, which is just tremendous. Uh, and I'm glad Casey got his question answered about uh, Panama Canal Yeah, I wanted to know, man. About that. We're doing like a little geography lesson. All right, go give uh, Coach Barnes a call, will you? And uh, I'll kill some time while you do that before we get the Bunton Bucks head coach on um, here on our uh, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 Baseball Celebration Show. Ironically, I'm here up in uh, the Atlanta area in a parking lot Uh, waiting for, well, a baseball game. (laughs) We had a little rain today. supposed to be a 140 game. Now it's a 520 game. I'm hoping it's like a 6 o'clock game so I don't miss any of it because I don't want to miss a pitch. I never like to miss any ball games. Stephen Barnes joins us right now, head coach at First Coast High School Bucks. Thanks for helping us get Justin Lawrence on, Coach, and uh, hope you're having a good summer, man. Yes, sir. Great summer, full of baseball. (laughs) <laughs> that's what, hey, that's a good thing coming off what you guys just did. Let's start there with uh, with the Bucks and what you guys accomplished last year. Nice little run, uh, big district win into the playoffs, uh, pull an upset or two. Uh, that must have been fantastic for everybody involved with your program. Oh, uh, man, it was great. Um, you seen the atmosphere for our first home playoff game in
3: 23 years. Um, just trying to build off that. Um, it was to be honest, it, we shot—we are a year early. Um, so, the success of the program, hopefully, is going to keep building. And you know, um, the kids are working hard. We got some good young players coming
1: back. So, uh, I'm looking forward to the future. Yeah, you should be. Uh, Stephen Barnes with us here on Action Sports Jackson, ESPN six ninety. Hunter Carnes, by the way, is uh, really the the stud player over there at First Coast. I'm sure you have others, but uh, committed to Florida State, really good catcher uh, in the area, can really play. Uh, listen, you're a part of this uh, Jacksonville baseball lore. Uh, And, I mean, Justin is a great example of this, who we just talked to. I think you're a great example of this as well, that there are just so many talented players that have come out of this area. I think that continue to come out of this area, as we see in the draft and and guys committed to certain colleges. But um, I don't know if people give enough props to all the baseball talent in Jacksonville, man. I I mean, it's widespread. I
3: mean, there's players from all over, coaches from all over. And uh, it's like I was telling you – Earlier, we just had a kid play for uh, the co- Arkansas State coach. Um, Jed Taylor is our the four hole for Arkansas State, and I co- we coached him on our NEB national team. So, and then speaking of Hunter Carnes, he's up in Atlanta with you right now. Um, they're in a the rain delay. He's two for two with a couple more doubles up there right now. He's a really good player. He'll be a guy that'll hopefully be drafted in two years and. We'll be having this conversation with him in about five years.
1: Yeah, you know, one thing I can't uh, decipher in this area, and you see it up close, like you see it, you you know what it looks like. You were drafted a couple times by the Milwaukee Brewers, but like it it looks a lot the same to me. And is it hard for you or can you tell like what a a guy that might be drafted, say like a Hunter Carnes, compared to somebody else, whether they're putting up doubles or numbers or not, like, how do you decipher the difference in talent uh, sometimes in the area? I think the pitchers are a little bit easier. You take a guy, kid like Skylar Sanford over at Bartram; uh, he's committed to FSU. He's throwing ninety-three as a sophomore. Like, I get that, but how do you decipher the talent uh, because you've seen it at all at various levels? I think you know, for position players, the power
3: is really about power now. Even you know, strikeouts it doesn't really matter. But if you got the power, if you can go take a BP and you hit five out. 8-10, and then you go on a game and you lose a baseball, I mean, you could tell that. And if you're throwing across a diamond, as you know, a third base shortstop, you can see arm strength, center fielders, you can see if they can run or not. I mean, that's the stuff we look for. But yeah, pitching-wise, yeah, Skyler, got to face him on TV. It wasn't fun this year. I think he had like 13 <laughs> punches. Um, he was sitting 92-93, first game of the year. wasn't fun. Um, but yeah, facing those type guys, that's what that's what we're looking forward to this year. We're, we're trying to schedule all the top guys. You know, we want to see that so we can get ready for another run.
1: Yeah, well, don't tell me it's all about power, Coach, right? That's why we've been hitting the golf course uh, in our family quite a bit. Um, the, uh, give us more about your journey, Oral Roberts. Uh, yeah, so, you know, how did you end up there? And then, then how did you end up at, uh, I think, Florida Gateway College before and you got drafted a couple of times. Like, how did all that work? So got drafted out of high school. And, honestly, it was the same as Justin. We kind of took a similar
3: path, except for I, I was, commi- was going to go to Georgia, and then I would went to uh, Lake City, which is called Florida Gateway. I didn't know if I was going to be a hitter or a pitcher. You know, if I'd have got drafted by five teams, I'd have been a hitter. If I had drafted by different teams, i had been a pitcher. Hmm. So, a team that drafted me wanted to concentrate on pitching. So, I went there, went to Lake City, was all-conference. All um, then I went up to... The Virginia League had a really good year, came down, they redrafted me again, I turned down the money, um, and then the end of my sophomore year at Lake City, I tore my, at uh, UCL, I had Tommy John, and the only school that would give me a full ride and pay for my surgery was Oral Roberts, so chose to go there, went to Oral Roberts on the mound against Arkansas in the fifth inning, and I tore it again, and that was all she wrote. Wasn't going to wow. go through that rehab
1: twice. Yeah, and that's and that that's kind of how it ends for a lot of of you guys, right? I mean, it's usually yes, an sir. injury or a couple of injuries that uh, your body basically says, "Hey, no more." Yes, sir. It was. Uh, it's a grind. It's a uh, the rehab is tough,
3: um, but once you get back to it, you feel good. But it's just a unfortunate
1: circumstance, I guess. Yeah. Too many fastballs, too many sinkers at an early age. <laughs> no doubt. Um, Stephen Barnes with us, First Coast High School uh, coach. All right, let's leave you uh, with this. We talked to Howard May earlier on the show. Uh, I mentioned Bob West's name a lot, Mike Boswell's name a lot. There are a bunch of coaches that we could mention up and down, even currently. Uh, as you coach high school baseball, do you look at yourself at, like, like I mean, do you have goals of, like, going to the college game, or do you think you're going to be, like, coaching this level ball and uh, a mainstay at First Coast or wherever uh, for the next 25 years?
3: Um, Yeah, I have goals. I've actually had a couple opportunities to go to the next level, but um, I got a son that will be at First Coast in two years. Maybe once he gets gone, that's something that will present itself again, and I'll be able to make a move to the next level, which is the ultimate goal. Um, But with coaching any B national, I also have that national tie where I can – you know, we got kids from all over the country. We got, we've had twelve draft picks this year already. So, I get to stay in touch with a lot of colleges. So, I think opportunities will be there eventually. Um, yeah, that's good. Howard May was great, great for Jacksonville baseball. I mean, I think he was still there in two thousand and two, and we was.
1: had an epic game with them. Uh, it was, <laughs> we played at Ju. It was a great game. That's awesome. Fun. So. Good stuff, uh, Stephen Barnes. Good catching up with you, man. Thanks for giving us the latest on the high school front. Good uh, luck to the the Bucks and have a good rest of the summer as well uh, on the travel circuit. Yes, sir. Don't bunt the rest of the summer. <laughs> I wish you bunt more. They're giving it to him, coach. You're giving it to him, coach. Just take it if they give it to you. Uh, have a good one, man. Uh, you too, man. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Stephen Barnes. You know what's funny about Stephen Barnes uh, and Coach Smitty now down in the beachside? I don't even know those guys until, like, recently, yeah, more no, I know now, but I'd started all with bunting conversations on Twitter.
0: How about that?
1: <laughs> you can make really friends like, everywhere. Like, I felt like I knew them after two years of bunting conversations, and I had never even met them.
0: That is good. Well done.
1: <laughs> uh, so, I got, you know, you know, sometimes, like, you know, you feel like you know people better than you really do?
0: I feel like that with you all the time.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's the case. Yeah. Um, Anyway, Stephen Barnes, uh, we appreciate him helping us get Justin Lawrence on uh, as well. And uh, the only thing I didn't ask him is who's a better coach, him or Smitty. We'll find out maybe when the beachside Bunting Barracudas play the first Coast Bunting Bucks uh, in 2023. We take a break, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We've got a couple more guests, including Michelle Moultrie, who is the uh, best softball player ever to come out of Jacksonville, probably. Uh, that's coming up next on ESPN 690. continue to celebrate local baseball in jacksonville it's been a uh, fun list of guests from howard may to hunter barco to ken babby to justin lawrence recently just had stephen barnes on conversation with martin buckley he has been all the ballparks he's not a baseball player at least not anymore but we thought that was an interesting twist uh let's see who else did we have um had a conversation with tyler callahan coming up at six o'clock uh, we will have a conversation with Desi Relliford, uh, which was really a lot of fun. He's coaching the Appalachian State League. So our celebration show, actually, not just 3-6, to six, continues in action. Sports shacks OT uh, will have a uh, pitcher from Florida State, uh, FSCJ, on as well. So uh, a little bit of everything here on the show as we celebrate the sport of baseball in Jacksonville. And... In my world right now, I've got a kid playing baseball. got a kid playing softball, and we've grown to love the sport of softball. And so we did this two years ago, and we didn't really talk softball. But when I was thinking about this show this time around, I was like, you know, we got to include some softball here. And if you think softball in Jacksonville, at least I do, I think of the name Michelle Moultrie, who played at Mandarin, then for the Florida Gators, Team USA. And honestly, I kind of lost touch. I, I don't know where, what she's doing, if she's still playing. I know she was playing uh, a, a short time ago. And guess who's on the phone right now? Michelle Moultrie joins us to talk a little softball on a softball baseball celebration day. Michelle, thanks for taking a few uh, moments with us. Thanks for having me. You bet. Uh, What are you doing now? Are you still playing?
4: Um, Yeah, I'm still playing. Um, I play over the summer for Team USA this summer, so it was uh, just a couple of tournaments. Um, But, yeah, I'm still playing in the summertime, and then in the off-season I do just different instructional stuff and camps and things like that, kind of travel
1: lot so yeah all right michelle uh, i brought this up to several people okay that uh we need more people that played softball at a high level to come back and coach at the youth levels we still have a lot of daddy dads coaching softball just not enough coaches out there and so we got to get you coaching like some high school team (laughs) or something around here (laughs) do you have that in your future
4: um i don't know i i think i really do like uh like the coaching aspect or talking in the game sometimes, but just depends, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. So I've I've, uh, tried doing like one-on-one. I think I like bigger groups so far when it comes to camps and stuff. So maybe that can like turn into coaching.
1: What do you, uh, you've been obviously out of Mandarin high school for a while and you had a terrific career uh, with the Florida Gators. Uh, What is your connection still with Mandarin still with the, the folks in Jacksonville? Is this home for you still?
4: Um, yeah, I still live in Jacksonville. Um, I don't do that much, I guess, sports stuff here. Um, mostly just training. And, um, I still have a connection. Like my sister actually teaches at major high school. So, um, I still kind of get to hear about it from her. And then, um, Matt Gonzalez was the coach when I was there and she's still the coach at major high school now. So, um, it's cool. Like the legacy that she has, um, just lots of great players coming up through her program. So.
1: How much has softball changed in your eyes? We see the growth on TV, College World Series, uh, the ratings are up, uh, there's more enthusiasm about the sport. It's a fun watch. Uh, like I said, my mm-hmm. daughter plays and I'll tell my buddies, Like they'll ask, like, hey, how's, how's she doing? Or, and then all of a sudden they'll say, hey, I watched like three softball games today. Like They love it once they, they get introduced to it. And I think we've all kind of fallen into that. Have you seen that on your level change to that degree?
4: I think so. I think there's been, um, even like the pro softball level, there's more interest, and um, they're starting to put more on TV so that I think people can watch and see how fun the game is and um, and see that there's just some really talented women uh, playing the sport. So, um, like, really great plays and amazing athletes. So it's, it's definitely grown um, even, like, within the softball world. A um, well, lot more opportunities coming up.
1: Yeah, what's the difference at the, like, Team USA level? Like, how... Uh, as you get older, like, we watch these guys from a Major League Baseball level. They look different than they did at college, even though, like, the SEC is tremendous level of, of college baseball. Does that equate similarly um, at a professional ranks or a Team USA level in softball?
4: Um, I think probably the biggest, uh, I guess, like, hardship for jumping from college to pro for softball is you actually get, like, less um, – probably less, like, help and facilities and stuff like that. Like, college is probably a little bit more, um, like, a all-encompassing experience um, with, with coaching and different things like that, and so uh, as a professional, you really do have to do a lot of things on your own when it comes to finding practice, finding resources, facilities, stuff like that. Um, but the uh, athletes are really good, and it becomes like a the defense is just on a different level, I think, at the pro level for softball, and so um, it's not going to be When you watch, like, the Olympics, it's a lot of really close games, you know, one to two, you know, um, not a whole bunch of people hitting home runs off of, like, the world's best softball
1: pitchers. Yeah, absolutely. And we're talking, like, when we see in the College World Series where the the elite-level pitchers, uh, like the Gators or Oklahoma or Mm -hmm. Florida State now, we're talking uh, women touching in the the 70s. What's it like at, like, what are we talking, 74, 75 miles per hour at, at your level, or is it still in, like, the low 70s? Where are we at?
4: Um, I'd say there's a there's like two or three pitchers that are like that can get mid 70s when they're really good. Um, Japan has a really great pitcher that gets that speed, and then like uh, Monica Abbott from Team USA is mm-hmm. is really up there on the speed. So uh, college, I think, is yeah probably um, the average college is probably upper 60s. and then really good college pitchers are in the low 70s. So. Um, yeah, and the
1: movement obviously in the command is going to be different at the per level, also. So absolutely, uh, Michelle Moultrie with us, uh, who I've tabbed. I don't know if she does or anybody else will, but I think they would probably agree the best softball player to come out of uh, Jacksonville. Uh, you got to remember, softball, fast pitch softball, is still a relatively new sport. We're talking in the early to mid '90s mm-hmm. where it kind of came on the scene across the country and. How did you get your introduction and, and your tutelage? And How did you get so good, Michelle, as a kid when there probably weren't as many options as there are right now?
4: Um, I, I just think I have a unique story of just coming up out of the uh, um, – really like the rec, the rec ball um, kind of space. And my dad uh, was a great baseball player, and he coached me um, pretty much all through middle school and high school. So I just – Got lucky in having a parent that was a really good uh, coach. And, um, you know, there's just great competition in Jacksonville like there still is. And so uh, we didn't really play a ton of travel where we're traveling across the country. We just played travel like in the, within the state pretty much, um, just playing really great Florida teams. And so I had a good, a good foundation for sure um, just growing up in Jacksonville and playing some of the local leagues.
1: All right, let me leave you with this. Michelle Motru, we appreciate you taking a a few minutes to join us here on our celebration of uh, baseball and softball uh, here in the Jacksonville area and producing so many great players like Michelle. Uh, I have this thought that, like, the NBA supports the WNBA. I'm waiting, because of the popularity and the TV aspect of softball and its success, for, like, Major League Baseball to do something like that with a softball league. There are pro softball leagues, but not to the degree of like a WNBA. Will we see at some, at some point that there's a, there's a path for um, more women to leave the college game and continue to play, uh, not just at like the Team USA level and some of these uh, smaller uh, pro leagues where I can't imagine the salaries mm. are, are good enough to pursue for a long period of time?
4: Yeah, I hope that there uh, will be a partnership. I think even uh, within the last um, run at the Olympics, um, it'll be started to partner with Team USA, but it's kind of, I think most of the partnership is off the field, kind of in camps and youth, youth type of things. And hopefully, um, like it'll grow into something bigger, like you're saying, and have uh, help support a, a pro league. That would be awesome. But I think that there's um, some things in the works, but hopefully it, it works out.
1: Yeah, I hope so too. It's it's a really fun uh, game to watch, and and uh, Michelle Moultrie plays it at a high level. Good luck in your continued playing career and teaching, and come back and coach sometime. We need it around here, Michelle.
4: <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for having me.
1: You bet. Uh, that's Michelle Moultrie, former Mandarin star, former Florida Gator, uh, team USA star, and I gotta believe the most decorated player to ever come out of here uh, from a softball standpoint. We have um, a lot of talent in the softball space. Uh, but none bigger uh, than Michelle Moultrie. Uh, We appreciate her taking a few minutes here on our baseball celebration show uh, to talk a little softball action sports shacks on espn uh, 690 once again i want to remind you uh, tomorrow we're going to talk a little bit about the jacksonville giants we actually may have a carryover or two in the baseball world uh, and we'll get back to talking sports along the way today has been dedicated to the sport of baseball with the all-star game coming up tonight and celebrating how good jacksonville uh, has been as a producer of baseball talent and impact in the area thursday we're doing a uh, 2022 preview of the jacksonville jaguars and uh we'll have a bunch of interviews that we kind of already done if you missed any of them but also talking position by position to get you set for camp that starts on sunday as the players report and monday uh, camp really gets going uh for the jacksonville jaguars on monday morning at the episcopal school of jacksonville still to come action sports shacks o.t with casey kurtz and brian middleton we'll have our conversation with desi reliford so we'll spill into action sports shacks o.t with our baseball celebration and uh, after that, it's the All-Star game on ESPN uh, 690. So one more guest scheduled uh, at least in our 3-6 to six window. And uh, we say hello right now to Patrick Leonard, another Jacksonville product who folks may have lost touch with a little bit because if I have my story correct, I believe he graduated uh, high school in Texas as his family later moved. But, Patrick, hello, and thanks for taking a couple of minutes to talk some baseball with us, man absolutely thanks for having me on all right so help us with the story here Uh, before you get to the pro ranks and in the Chicago White Sox organization uh, you uh, St. Johns County kid played I think at Bartram for a year then over to Creekside for a couple years before moving to Texas is that how the story goes yes so I was a
5: freshman at Bartram and then Creekside at its first year, my sophomore year, I went there, sophomore and junior year, and then my family relocated to Houston for my senior year, and then I graduated from there.
1: So. All right, so, uh, like, do, do you hate, like, Bartram now? Like, I mean, you're right in the middle of the rivalry. I mean, uh, you're talking to a Creekside guy, so uh, be careful here. But uh, you probably I just like them both,
5: right? I can't. I can't badmouth Bartram. I hit. I hit with a lot of Bartram kids. I hit with a lot of Creekside kids. So I'm. I'm just in the middle. I like, yeah, I I like to see everybody do good.
1: So <laughs> yeah. hey, I, we do too, actually. But we like to have fun about it. Um, as, Absolutely. Uh, the the, the, lo- the zoned lines are very close uh, down oh, there I in that. in St. Johns County. So I mean, you were so you were on the first team then uh, of
5: Creekside. I was on the. I was on the first team. I was a sophomore. My sophomore year, Creekside opened up. Yep, and then we had uh, Luke Maribel as our coach. He came over from Bartram. He was uh, I believe he was the assistant coach at Bartram my freshman year, and then he came over and was, had us over there, freshmen, sophomores, and juniors only.
1: How about that? And so uh, yeah. you, you, you uh, played with our buddy uh, Latson Montgomery there, uh, who we actually had on um, a couple years ago when we did this show, and – I think Laddie told me, you, you know, Creekside was a graveyard of a place and, and kind of still is, but more balls are flying out of there because of all the uh, uh, building they have. They're knocking down trees and the airflow has kind of changed. That's at least our theory on it. But for the longest time, like, nobody could hit home runs out of Creekside. And there there were like eight or nine over a 12-year t- span, I think. And I believe the story yeah. is Javi Baez had a couple of
5: them. Oh, yeah. I was in – we had a – I want to say it was a – like a spring break tournament and ACD was playing in that tournament. That's where hobby went. And he hit, I remember being outside, the, we weren't playing them, but they were playing a different team. And he had two homers in one game. and I'm like, Holy crap. I can't believe he managed to even get one over the fence. Cause I, I think in the two, the two years that I, that I played there, I had four maybe in the, in the span. And then I went to Houston my senior year and then i had 14 my senior year that was a completely different
1: story but, wow how about that yeah. uh it's uh, yeah well maybe that's now was that a big switch did you make a big jump before you got drafted in, in houston or uh was that just natural development as a player Uh that's i don't really know um i know that like coming from like i played obviously
5: creekside um as a big public school and then in and then in Houston, I went to a, a uh, private, a Catholic private school, and not to say that that you know the competition wasn't any good, but it was just I don't know this, the the people we were playing against were still were still good. It was just I think maybe the exposure that I was around. I was my my head coach in Houston for my senior year was Craig Biggio, and he had two uh-huh. he had two kids on the team, and so he obviously has connections in the area. <laughs> and, you know, that, that definitely helped out. I really think he helped out the most with uh, – I was a shortstop
1: at the time, and he helped me out a lot in the infield. And, That's, uh, pretty awesome. yeah. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Being around Vigio must have been a blast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
5: That was – he's hardcore, but uh, it, was, it was a good experience. And But to answer your question about what – you know, how where do I think I made a, a leap in, I guess you could say, um, my – Summer before my senior year, I played on a a travel team out of Cincinnati, Ohio, called the Mid- It's the Midland Redskins, and they kind of recruit from uh, across the country and have a bunch of kids come out there and then play. It's almost like a pro style schedule where you play five, six games a week, and you just travel around. We traveled around the country playing every day, and that was elite competition for that age group, and that definitely helped me out a lot going into my senior year and then getting drafted
1: so patrick leonard with us here on action sports shacks on espn 690 uh you had a minor league career if uh, my numbers are right all the way through 2019 uh, started way back in 2012 after you were drafted uh, by the kansas city royals 6'4 225 pound guy you had a lot of success man What amazes me and what's fascinating is you can have success. And I think Connor Maribel is another guy, J.U. guy from down St. John's County. He is the latest example of this. He is coming off like his best year and couldn't find a home this year in baseball as a free agent. And so what happens? Like, you're doing your job. Like, you're performing pretty well. And getting to the big leagues or staying with a club is still really hard even though you're still relatively young but maybe not by baseball standards is that it yeah i yeah it's uh
5: you know it was a tough pill to swallow but um you know i like you said i had my the best year that by my standards was the best year i had um you know in my whole career was my last year i hit 300 i had it doesn't say it on there, but it was defensively my best year. And I was, I take a lot of pride in my defense and, you know, that was best by far. And, um, you know, I had a really good year, but then that was 2019 and then 2020 was the COVID year. And I had signed, I had signed back with the Brewers and I was in spring training in 2020. And, um, and then it was, it was like, it was like the drop of a coin. They sent everybody home. It was, you know, we're we're playing games. I'd I'd already played in two, three weeks of games, and then it was like, uh, you guys, you guys are going home, and then that was it. Wow. Yeah. yeah, it was crazy, and you know, they had to. They ended up releasing all of their free agents, which I was a minor league free agent at the time, and they released every one of them, and they ended up cutting. Cutting teams, they cut a lot of teams from professional ball, and that,
1: you know, in turn, cut a lot of jobs. So, so do you do you think you would still be playing without the pandemic? By the way, I think I mentioned White Sox. Were you about to sign with the White Sox, or I thought so, there was something with the White Sox? But uh, anyway, you were with yeah. the Brewers. um yeah. The, do you think you'd still be playing if not for the pandemic then, or would you have been playing? I mean,
5: that's I I can't see the future, but I mean I. Like I said, I had the best year I ever ever had in 2019. I I I hit with a lot of high school kids in the St. John's area, and um, I whenever they ask me about my like why I stopped playing, you know, I will tell them that I didn't really learn my like it's it's kind of comical, but I didn't really learn my actual swing until it was about 2017. And granted, I know I played for six years before that, but. I didn't really come into my own until the end of my career. And, and, you know, I, so to answer your question, I think I, you know, I think I could still be playing definitely, but the, they definitely cut the, you know, the pandemic cut a lot of, cut a lot of jobs for a lot of players that a lot of my friends that, you know, lost their jobs too. And they were just, you know, the newly drafted players missed that entire year. And those organizations need those younger guys to get reps. and, so that just kind of cuts out the uh, older guys that you know, maybe they don't have as much money invested in or whatever whatever the case may be. So.
0: Uh, absolutely. I think when we, we've we talked on this show about the realignment with minor leagues, stuff like that, and I guess we don't really think about the actual part of it of the players still trying to make it like you were and uh, all of a sudden it was gone. Let me take you back though, Patrick. I'm a Rays fan. You might know where I'm going with this, but you're a young player in your career. You're with the Royals. You're a you're a top prospect, and then all of a sudden, you're in a huge trade. Your names on MLB Network along with Will Myers and the boys. What was that like to be traded in such a big time trade early in your career? That was
5: that was crazy. I was um, I remember the exact moment it happened. I was with a a good friend of mine, Cam Gallagher. He's a catcher with the Royals mm-hmm. and the big Leagues right now, and he. Uh, I was at his house in the off season of after the 2012 season, and um, the assistant general manager J.J. Piccolo calls me, and he said, "Hey, Patrick, just want to let you know that you we're about to trade you." It was just kind of out of nowhere, and this was at like 11 p.m. on whatever day, and and I was I didn't even have his number saved in my phone, and me and Cam were goofing around and. I wasn't taking it seriously, and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, your GM is calling you. And, you know, I was not expecting it, but but um, it was it was crazy. So then it, it happened, and, you know, I turned ESPN on. I call my dad, and I'm like, holy crap, I'm about to get traded. And, um, you know, I turn on the TV, and it's like James Shields, Wade Davis for Will Myers, Mike Montgomery, Jay Cotirizzi, and and me and so it was, it was wild to see, to see myself on there but, but, uh, but it was a great experience I really think it, it helped me out a lot grow as a player and a person really to experience that, that move of uh, throwing myself into a situation of you know, uncomfortability of going from a, one organization to another organization and
1: having to adapt and it helped me a lot Certainly part of the journey uh, all right let's wrap up with Patrick Leonard. appreciate you joining us man. Uh, how hard is it to transition to life after baseball? Uh, you've done this for oh, pretty much your whole life but even a decade in the professional ranks and now it's like phase two of life uh, as an adult if you will like what how does that work? like what are you, are you still processing that? I you know we cover the NFL a lot. we cover a lot of guys this is a hard that's a hard thing to do sometimes. Uh, what are your plans? Yeah. Um so
5: I am currently what I'm doing is I'm taking I've been taking uh college classes for the past year and a half. I get thankfully that's all all paid for by when I got drafted they said that they'd pay for any school I wanted to do. And um so I'm doing that, but I'm actually going into uh the medical sales industry here in the next uh I think in September I'll start, so I'm actually really looking forward
1: to that. So it's uh, quite the career change, but it's, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, good deal, man. Well, good luck with that. Thanks for taking a few minutes and sharing your journey and celebrating uh, Jacksonville baseball. As, uh, you're probably part of is not too many guys that played for Bartram and for Creekside, uh, <laughs> especially at the early stages of it. So uh, thanks for uh, taking a few minutes. Good luck on that next career path, and, and uh, we'll be in touch. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. You bet. That's Patrick Leonard. And and that wraps up our baseball celebration here in Jacksonville on ESPN 690. Thanks to everybody who came on. Uh, nice work by Casey, by the way, calling these guys and uh, managing the schedule. And overall, worked out pretty well. But we're not done. Desi Reliford, we got a chance to catch up with him earlier today, who's now, like, coaching a l- game tonight in the Appalachian League. True. And uh, he was great. He was a lot of fun. So you'll want to hear that conversation coming up. Action Sports Jacks OT. Casey Kurtz, Brian Middleton. Uh, Some more baseball talk leading up to the All-Star Game on ESPN 690. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 at 3 p.m. Casey, have a good show. Thanks to everybody else for listening and for joining us here on this uh, baseball celebration day. Have a good night, everybody.